What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Going There, the crossroads where music and mental health meet. Today we are talking with singer-songwriter and multi-instrumentalist Sarah Barthel. Now many of you know Sarah as part of the music duo Fantagram with Josh Carter with songs such as Same Old Blues, You Don't Get Me High Anymore, and my personal favorite, When I'm Small. Fantagram has been described as lush, sumptuous, sultry, evocative, masters of tension, lyrics full of barbed, abstract images. And Fantagram just teamed up with Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine on a song called Driving to Texas. So check out that song and their recent album Ceremony at Fantagram.com. Now on the Going There podcast, we have the tough conversations to address important issues so we can learn from each other, challenge the stigma of mental illness, and get the care we need. And one of the things that Sarah talks about is her experience of devastating and traumatic loss in her life. Sarah has been a fantastic mental health advocate over the years and has been very forthcoming and outspoken about how she lost her sister when her sister committed suicide. But prior to that tragic event, Sarah had also lost her father to cancer, and her mother struggled with cancer for years, as did some of her friends. And so what Sarah describes is years of these devastating losses, as well as others, one on top of another. This type of repetitive loss can be devastating and traumatic where we're still reeling from one loss as we're trying to make sense of the next one. It can be overwhelming and horrible, not only because of losing people close to us, but also because it undermines our fundamental belief that we live in a safe and predictable world. And our sense that we are safe and that we have some level of control over our lives is critical to our own mental health and well-being. And one of the things that Sarah talks about doing in the face of this loss is being what she calls a superhero who needs to be the one who says everything is okay and tries to make everything okay. That is what many of us instinctively do when we face loss or experience others around us struggling. We try to be strong for others so we can be there for them when they are facing sickness, despair, or even possibly death. The problem is that we often close off our own emotional processing, avoiding or suppressing the intense feelings that come from facing the suffering of others or our own suffering. And this is when so many of us turn to music as a way of understanding, processing, and expressing our feelings in the face of devastating and traumatic situations like the losses that Sarah has endured. 
And in fact, Sarah talked about how making music gave her the opportunity and freedom to experience and express her feelings. Now, as we progress through this season of Going There, our goal is to bring you, the audience, further into the conversation. On the Consequence website, and wherever you may find these episodes, you'll also find a short questionnaire. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions you have that have been sparked by our conversations with these incredible artists, and topics you'd love to see addressed. We incorporate these responses into episodes, as well as a monthly column called Ask Dr. Mike on the Consequence website. If you enjoy the show, please leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. These help other folks find their way into the conversation so they can go there with us. So let's go there and listen to what Sarah has to say. Hey, Sarah, welcome to Going There. Hi, how's it going? It's going okay. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. So you and I talked initially before the podcast about what what I'm hearing is just a tremendous amount of loss and stress that you faced regarding different things that have been happening with members of your family. And one of the things that you've been very outspoken about was your struggle with the fact that your sister unfortunately committed suicide. And I'm sorry for that loss. And so I thought that maybe we should start there and then talk about you know, that as, as, as a beginning point of just kind of how you've dealt with these stressors and losses throughout your life. Yeah. Um, I've kind of, let's see, it's been about five years, um, uh, since my sister passed. Um, and it's been, uh, a, a pretty, important five years for myself. I mean, a really, really hard, hard amount of time to just kind of learn and grow about where I've come from, why I do the things I do, maybe why my sister thought the way she thought and, you know, self-medicated and whatever, you know, kind of struggles that she had that she'll never be able to tell the story. Um, I've been kind of just diving in and, and, and kind of opening up just different parts of my life that um, I, I never really had focused on before because I've had a, a pretty um, traumatized, kind of traumatizing, just like a, a life full of death, um, a life, like, I guess, life full of just loss and, um, and it's just kind of, it started when I was a kid. So I think I realized a lot while well, before coming on here is I, I kind of want to just tell my story and maybe tell my story, my sister's story of, of our childhood and how things, what happened, I guess, and kind of where my music came in. And where, you know, I, I started to depend more and more and more on my music and just kind of where I, where I am now. And just, I don't know, a lot of self-realization things that really do tie in to my sister and just being honest um, about mental health, which is what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. A life of death. I mean, that is such a powerful phrase. And, yeah. you know, maybe we can start there just in terms of 
just that concept that that one would identify their life so closely with death in and of itself is is such a powerful statement. Yeah, it it is. It it's it's a strange way of of seeing it and looking at my past, but um I basically yeah, I've got a I've I've got a lot of a lot of stuff. I'm going I want to start with talking about I think just my sister and me growing up. Um and you know where we came from. We came from middle of nowhere, upstate New York, in this small town called Greenwich, New York. Not not pronounced Greenwich. Uh, it's Greenwich. <laughs> They're very uh, strict on that there. But uh, really small town. Grew up on a farm. Uh, on like ten acres, had pigs and 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 dogs and. Uh, lots of chickens and a huge, huge uh, garden that we would sell our produce on the side of this, of our road, like super, just a really cool way to grow up. Um, spent a lot of time in the woods, um, you know, picking blueberries and, and things like that, but um, very quaint and, and lovely. And um, uh, so it was me and my sister and my, my father and my, and my mom, and my dad, uh, when I was 15, um, we got a call that he had a seizure while he was driving and uh, was in the hospital. And uh, at the time, uh, he wasn't living with us. He, my mom was, I think, officially um, divorced to him. And we hadn't seen him in a, in a while um, just because things were a little rough at home, but, um, we found out then that he had, was, had, uh, brain cancer and he had a brain tumor that was growing in his frontal lobe, which is like your personality, your functionality, your judgment, everything. Um, and, uh, it was the size of a grapefruit when they found it and it was growing for ever so slowly for 12 years. Um, so, uh, it just, it, it was so slowly and gradual that it, it totally, can I swear? hundred percent. Okay. I swear a lot, but I'm, I won't, sorry. Um, uh, it completely just turned him into a complete fucking asshole and he lost all of his ability to, work like he he was this he was like and and the best way possible because I, I wish I really fucking got to know him uh, he reminded me a lot of myself I I have a just a lust for life I I love I I, I get enjoyment out of everything he was a he was a extremely like successful ski photographer at the time he he published books he's you know, made films. Uh, he was like, he, he, he was pretty epic dude as my mom would always kind of explain, but, uh, it grew so, so fucking slowly that no one knew what was that there was really anything. So ever so slowly, he, he, he became, uh, abusive, um, uh, um, emotionally abusive. I, I think he, I think he was more physical abusive to my sister. Um, my sister was uh, like her personalities. 
they just kind of clashed and the, what the state that my father was in, I, I believe, um, not that there's any excuse, but kind of is a pretty big, big excuse. Uh, like his, his state was, uh, lashed back and just, I don't know, just be, be awful to, to everything and anyone. And, um, I think I developed this kind of, uh, keeping, keeping everything, keeping any of my feelings inside just because I wanted to be the like, okay, you know, let's allow all of this, all this crap to happen. And I, I, I need to be the one who isn't going to start problems. Um, cause my sister was, um, not the easiest kid. She was born with anxiety I think she had her first panic attack. My mom always tells me she had her first panic attack when she was like two. She just like, she would, she wasn't, wouldn't get her way or something. And she would just start hyperventilating and breathe. And then she would just turn blue and pass out kind of, kind of thing. Um, and she was born with a cleft lip as well. Um, which was, I think pretty, pretty tough as only my perspective. I, I I don't know what that would feel like, but um, she it really it 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 was a lot for her to have to go through um, in school and whatnot, and and uh, you know what society kind of makes females feel like they have to be and whatnot, and um, yeah. So see, these are the tangents I'm talking about, um, but it's okay. Um, so my so we found out that my dad uh got had a tumor and then he had about i think he he lived about two more years so he passed away uh when i was 17 and um that was pretty that was a pretty crazy experience uh not knowing not even knowing that it was anything crazy because it was i kind of caught a part of my life in a strange way and kind of realizing in, in strange ways that I never really knew my dad. I didn't really have a dad, a father figure, I guess. I didn't really have, I don't know that like security, apparently these are all things I'm learning now, but security and safety, um, what a father should, you know, bring and give, give to you and teach you all of these things. Um, I feel like was pretty much lost in general because um, there was just a lot of chaos in the house and uh, trying to be strong for my, for my mom um, and wanted her to be okay. wanted to protect her from, from my dad and from my sister because she was an asshole to us. <laughs> Sorry, Becky. Um, I call her an asshole a lot, actually. I hope she can hear me. Um, but, but she was, and she was a real asshole to me. And, uh, I kind of just kept everything bottled up inside and not even knowing that I had feelings. I never even know. These are all, this is the stuff I've been learning through therapy for the past five years is I had no idea, uh, how, I could actually say something and somebody could, could help me. So I went through a handful of just really shitty boyfriends, abusive relationships, um, 
kind of gravitating towards, I think, people that uh, I felt like maybe I could help um, because I wasn't able to help my dad. Um, uh, and I think just thinking that it was normal for me to, to be treated like shit, um, cause of my sister too. I was just, I think I developed this thing where I was like, it's okay. They don't mean it, uh, mentality. So, so I, I had a lot of, I had a lot of shitty relationships. Um, then I, um, then I, that's where I think in a space where, where I met up with Josh, my bandmate again, um, and we started the band and I, I truly felt my passion and, and just, I think what music was doing for me, it was bringing, it was bringing this kind of, it was it, it was like this cathartic release but me not even really understanding if i when i look back at all the songs that you just even if you look at the list of names of all of our songs you know like they're pretty dark and <laughs> they're pretty i mean and the, the songs are dark all of the lyrics are are dark um i remember back then kind of realizing just in a way of like, I don't know, we just, that's just kind of in interviews. I, I don't know, I, I, we just kind of gravitate towards that. I just, it's just like, it's more in, interesting, you know, to, to me, but not, not really even know, knowing um, kind of where, where it started or it came from. Um, but it was a true, it was a true release for me that I had, like I was able to speak in a way um it was it, and it took over my life and 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 we dove into to being in a band um and we hit the ground running it was like this this kind of moment where we're just like all right let's do it let's go we believe in our music um and it and it and it was it, it, we loved it it was it was i think it was it was our release to to the world to not even understanding the past, but it was, it was a way, it was a way to tell my story without uh, having to tell my story and connecting to people and to connecting to, to our fans that um, could hear, hear, I think hear what I was trying to say. Um, um, so then that kind of started, uh, my mom uh, gets cancer, um, gastrointestinal stromal tumor, um, to be precise, which is when she had it. Uh, she didn't, if she had it maybe a couple, two years before she would have died. Um, so that was pretty terrifying for me, but also I kind of got used to this I got, I'm going to, I'm going to take care of everyone. I'm going to, you know, and my sister is at the moment um, fully struggling and not being able to cope because she had always self-medicated. Um, she never got the, the right help. Um, not that she, we even knew what right or wrong help was at the time, but you know, as, as I struggle and have struggled in the past, it's really easy to pick up a drink and numb yourself um, instead of deal with the problem. So um, 
she got cancer and almost died. Um, then she, she was she she's she's been good for 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 the past I think eight years or so, but it it was pretty it was pretty awful at the beginning. Um, another one of my friends got cancer. He was like 28. He got colon cancer. My, my, our, Josh and I's very, very good friend, Kirk. Um, and my ex-boyfriend, uh, Benjamin Curtis, um, he was in, in the secret machines in school, seven bells, um, got cancer, I think maybe the following year. And he was in his early thirties as well, 34 or so. Um, so there was a lot of uh, just realizing, I think, just kind of white knuckling it, just being like, holy, like, not even realizing how, how much around I looked around of just being like, wow, this shit is, uh, I don't know if this is normal, <laughs> um, but I, I just kept kind of going, you know, using the music to, um, you know, just kind of release my, my, um, feelings as, as well as I could. Um, and Benjamin, uh, Kirk ends up dying. Benjamin ends up dying very soon after. I think Benjamin, um, I think was diagnosed and then he passed away like eight months or something after he was diagnosed. We were uh, working, we were writing voices at the time. Um, and uh, we were in LA and um, it was really, really fucking tough time. Cause we were trying to, uh, Josh and I were trying to process uh, one of our closest friends dying at age 31 of cancer. Um, that uh, we were, we were, um, a part of you know the end the end there and during the whole process i think it was important for us to be kind of be there for him um as much as we could obviously but writing voices um shit i mean you just i'm trying to think of all the names of the songs like my only friend blackout days nothing but trouble <laughs> um all songs just about loneliness and just darkness and sadness and and you know the the beauty of oh and fall in love um with the name of fall in love is is obviously lovely um but the the lyrics are you know just all about hurting somebody hurting people and um all of the songs there's not one song on there that's happy but um that was the my, my the way I released, and then we went we go on tour. Um, we just it's never stop it's nonstop at this point. I think Josh and I are are you know kind of losing it a, a little bit, but not knowing how to say stop because um, kind of seeing you know some your close friends passing away, and you're just like whatever we got to do it for them or whatever, you know, was going on in our heads. Um, so we never, we never took care of ourselves. We never ever took care of ourselves. We just allowed, um, allowed our space to, I think, um, just 
self-medicate, keep going. Uh, we got to go do these shows. We got to, we got to keep pushing. We got to, we got to be that band that we've always wanted to be that we promised ourselves since day one. Um, uh, and that's what we did. And so that tour cycle ended and that's where we started, uh, three, um, after I think a year or two on, on the road, like nonstop, just, but having, you know, like that, that was kind of our breaking albums of sorts. I don't really think you can say that, but, um, and we started three and my, um, my sister moved out to LA. I, I, I talked her into moving out to LA and, and she was, it was pretty, pretty insecure and really just afraid of leaving the house. Um, she was still living with my mom at the time. Um, and, uh, and, uh, just kind of struggled with everything. And, um, I, I, I somehow managed to tell her to get the hell out and come out to LA, like just, I don't know. Let's start a new life. Let's get, you're going to love the sunshine. I'm going to help you. My boyfriend at the time was like, Hey, I found a job for you. We found a roommate for you and she's awesome. And, um, we have Josh is out here. We all grew up together, Josh and my sister. Um, and just, just good people out here. Don't be afraid. Come on out. Um, since she came out and she was, she was loving life for a minute. Um, and, uh, after maybe, I think she was out here for about a, a couple of a year and a half. She was, she was doing pretty well, or at least she was hiding it pretty well. Cause she was, I think she also kind of learned in a way to kind of keep her problems hidden because her problems fucked up a lot of things uh when she was younger and when we were kids um so she would always just like hide in her room kind of thing and and drink um and just be she sometimes wouldn't come out of her room for days and um i remember i remember when it was it was i i, I could finally kind of tell from her being like just being herself um, I, I could always just kind of tell when she was in a, in a, a really bad place. And I'm, I remember asking, um, uh, my, our friend, uh, her roommate, like, Hey, I can tell Beck, my sister's not doing really well. Um, I just want you to know that like, it's kind of a, it happens. Cause that's kind of all I, I really knew um how to explain it and not that she would uh she would cut she would you know lash out or anything but i just knew becky would go into you know a dark place and um i asked her roommate i was like hey are you all right is there like how's it going at, at home and and she explained um you know, I don't know. I don't really know. There's nothing that I can do to help. Um, and just kind of explaining to her, like, well, it's usually a phase and like, it's, it's, you know, she, she kind of goes through this, but I, I know she's just kind of, I know she's not happy with her work right now. And, and, uh, you know, don't, don't, um, 
just don't to put too much stress on yourself and, and whatnot. Um, and that was kind of the last conversation about it. And um, we were writing that we we're maybe like a quarter into writing the album, um, just mostly ideas. And um, we, I got a phone call um, that she killed herself. Um, and, you know, I, after, uh, after a certain, fuck, not even a certain amount of time. I mean, at that point, it's just like, holy shit. Like what? Uh, okay. I gotta go call my mom now. Um, and tell her that her daughter killed herself. And I remember having to do that and, and just feeling like I never wanted to, to have to do this. Um, I always thought that she would figure it out, you know, cause she, um, again, struggled her whole life um, with anxiety and depression. And, uh, you know, kind of just our, our childhoods and, and the way life happened to her and happened to us. Uh, she just, I don't know, like, I, I, I don't, it, it's hard because I haven't been able to kind of, like, I understand it's not my fault. Finally, you know, that took a really long time. Um, but that still doesn't mean that she's, I'm never going to fucking see her again, you know? Um, which is why I tell her how much I fucking hate her. She's such an asshole <laughs> for leaving. Um, uh, but um, so that so that all kind of happened. Uh, what a fucking whirlwind of a, um, I guess just a couple of months in general. Um, going through it all, uh, funeral and, and, and everything and, um, coming back to LA and, and knowing that we had this album, um, that every, obviously everyone was fine. Like we can just fucking wait. Like there's no, and, and there was a little bit of just like, well, what do you do? Should you like go off and fucking live in Patagonia for two years and just find yourself? which I thought maybe that's what I wanted to do, uh, which is, um, you know, I think one of my normal patterns is, is run away from problems um, or stay and go into the studio and fucking be as raw and open and honest as you possibly can. Um, with just not holding back and and knowing beforehand um what you want to say because normally you know again like all of our songs are really dark but i i didn't know where that was coming from i had no fucking idea because i thought i was the 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 superhero the this person who's gonna say everything's okay and and everything's fine and you're going to be great. And I'm great because I'm helping you feel great. And we know whatever kind of mentality I, I had for my entire life. Um, 
it was this kind of just moment is either like sink or swim. And I decided that we should go back into the studio and write three, write this album um, that uh, is surrounded my sister's um, death, but also I think was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back of uh, finally being having so many things build up so much darkness and so much weight and so much pain and not putting on like a, Hey, how, how are you? I'm okay. And keeping it inside and releasing it somewhere else. Uh, just fucking throwing it up, scream puking it up. <laughs> um, and that's what we did. And it was, uh, it was, it, it, it was incredible. Um, it was really painful to do, um, but the most cathartic kind of experience I think that we, we, we have ever had, because Josh and I, again, we grew, he was, we grew, all grew up together. I met Josh through my sister actually, um, as kids. And we were, Josh and I were on this, just, I don't know, this weird wavelength above everything else or below it, anyone else that like we, we, just released and um, wrote this incredible album that I'm so proud of. Um, and I think maybe so proud of because it had intention in a way, like it, it, it there was this moment where I didn't, uh, I didn't need to hide. I didn't want to hide. And, um, and we finished it and it was awesome. And, and I thought that that kind of, that time was like, Oh fuck. All right. Jesus. We got, we, I got through it. I got through whatever I needed to get through to, to fix this, you know, whatever. And then we go on tour and I have to sing these songs every single fucking night and, uh, relive. Um, I guess my truth and, and just the experience of, of everything all over again, every single fucking night. Um, I was exhausted at, at the end of every show. I was, I like could barely fucking like get off the stage and I had to like lay down and I was always kind of, hyperventilating. I was, I was very, I was very unwell. I wasn't taking care of myself because I had to, um, I was self-medicating to get through the tour, um, and getting just to get through the every single night, um, because it was so painful to, to relive it. Um, and it it just took its toll. It took its it took its toll and until um, the end of the tour, uh, I was in a uh, it, not I, I yeah probably the, my darkest place um, with just numbing myself and I just didn't I just I didn't I mean I'm sure you can see it if if you if you look back on on maybe performances 
uh, of just like crying during like scream crying in um, this one song called Destroyer, which is about my sister. And um, I just, it was just, it was exhausting. Um, And then I finally admitted to myself that uh, I needed to get help. And it wasn't because obviously this shit wasn't working. And it was kind of, kind of strange because I was seeing my patterns in my sister's patterns. And I was angry at myself that I, that I got to that space. But it also made me understand, you know, how she could have felt. Um, and I, I, I took the initiative and I found a therapist and, um, and uh, I, I have been going to her weekly every, ever since. And um, she finally, f- I learned about myself finally to where I can actually use my words and have this conversation with you instead of, you know, putting on the face of like, hey, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, well, my dad just died, but I'm I'm fine. (laughs) Um, uh, And yeah, I just, um, I, I know a lot. I, it's, I realize how important it is to go back and, and uh, discover things about your patterns in your past and your childhood that it does make you the person that you are today. And um, because I don't, my biggest fear, and I feel like one of the biggest reasons I was to put on this earth was to to speak about um, the scary stuff and how shitty it was for my sister to have to leave and that she couldn't she couldn't stay. She couldn't handle it for whatever reason. Um, and for families that have to go through it and have to feel this ever longing, everlasting pain uh, for the rest of their lives that that um, that they'll never ever ever get an answer for because that person is gone. And um, I just, uh, I, I just, I know what that pain is, and I, um, I know that it's unfair. And I just, I, I just want to speak. I don't. I just want to tell my story if it, if it can help anyone in any single way, and to be able to actually use my words is very powerful. And um, yeah, I guess that's where I can stop talking <laughs> Jesus that was like eight hours of just pain and death <laughs> God it's such a powerful story and I appreciate you you telling it um, it's, it's you know obviously it's it's very painful having to talk about these things, not only having to gone through it and cope with it on a day-to-day basis, but then having to talk about it publicly is very hard. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it is. Um, it's kind of just a crazy. Every time I tell tell the, the story, it, it still it makes me shake my head and be like, Jesus Christ, what the fuck is like? What kind of cars have been dealt to me? Um, yeah, I'm I'm still here and I'm and I'm doing I'm doing what I can do. You know, I think that you know, just th there's so much that you said there, but a couple of things that really struck me was when, when we're talking about physical or mental health issues. And I think, I think there's something about it. That's, that's so destabilizing and, and living with the idea that that, you know, that your life can be just upended like that. And how, how out of control and unstable that feels. But then, especially when it comes to mental health issues, coupling that with trying as best as we can, whether it's because we think that's what other people want or we're just struggling with it to just not feel anything. And, and when, you, when, you, when you put those two things together, it's such a powerful recipe for us feeling lost, you know, and, and what you're describing with the music, when you think about why, you know, there's so many reasons why music is powerful, but just having a place that you can count on to feel and not only to, to experience feelings, but to express feelings and that you have control over it. You can keep going back to it, whether it's as a fan or as an artist, you start to get a, a sense of, of part of why the music is so powerful because there's just not that many places where you can have that. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, it's, it's, it's the, the strange fear to feel. I think that, that people struggle with that probably, I don't know, every, everybody. And again, you know, I, you always think that no one can, no one can understand what I'm going through. And, and um, that is not true at all because we all, we all have that just the same, that, that same feeling that no one can understand, but you just have to be able to feel it and not be afraid of feeling. Um, and take the next step of saying it out loud. Um, but I, but I, but what makes me so, uh, so proud and so lucky that, that, that I had music, um, because shit, I don't even, I fuck, I don't even know what I would, where I would be right now if, if I didn't. Um, and to be able to give, give that to, um, uh, our fans, um, to, to write songs that have, have feeling. I think that the, you know, the most important songs in this world are the ones that make you feel, I guess, feel something, but just have a feeling, um, to say, holy shit, what is that? What, what, oh my God, what, what is like, it's, it's addicting. It's, it's like, and it's, and it's, it's a, it's just a, it's the most beautiful feeling in the world to me. Um, and I'm just so lucky that I can, that I can uh, give, give 
that to people. And, you know, there's this idea, you know, sometimes when people will talk about, you know, what's favorite kind of music what's the best kind of music. And, you know, this idea of anything that, that makes you feel is, is worthwhile. It does, and it doesn't even matter what it makes you feel, you know, like any kind of willingness to approach rather than avoid emotions, whether it's, whether it's really, really sad and painful emotions, or even really, really kind of upbeat and, and positive emotions, you know, just finding somewhere where you feel like you can connect in emotionally is such a, is such a powerful, in, in some cases, starting an endpoint for a lot of people, you know, just to know that they can feel anything, you know, you were talking about feeling numb and sometimes, you know, which, which makes sense, like the sense of, of, you know, even just listening to the story, it's almost like, God, you feel like you just, you almost feel like, God, I don't want to, you want to shut down because it's so powerful and just the notion that somebody can feel anything in the midst of that, it, you know, assume, you know, unfortunately, some people will turn to, to drugs or alcohol, which is, which is in theory unhealthy. But if you can find a healthy way of feeling something you know, that, that, that resonates with you, it's just, it's so important during those times. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. It's one of those things again, where, I wish, uh, I, I, it's, it's strange. It's hard because all of these realizations and understandings of who I am and, and how I feel and what I've been and, you know, just everything it's, I've, I've had them after my sister died and it's hard because, you know, I, I'm, I, I probably wouldn't have realized any of them if she didn't die in a really weird, dark way of saying it. But, um, but it's, but it's true. I think it was my, it wasn't just this one thing that happened it, 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 that totally flipped over my life. It was just hitting the rock bottom. It was the fucking, the last straw. It was the, like the last thing that I, I could handle and the most important, you know, my fucking sister, she's, she's, she's my everything. She was part of my life. She was, she was my only sister. Um, and the person that I, that I was always looked up to, she was my, she was my hero. And, and, um, and especially since my father was gone and, and I, I, you know, for her to leave, and for her to leave uh, and not say it, not, not come to me and not, and not um, feeling guilty about feeling the way she did and, and not coming out and saying, Hey, I fucking need to just talk to you. I, she, I mean, anything, any kind of thing. I, 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 I was so just completely not aware at all until it was too gone. And I know she'd wanted to hide things from me because she knew how much shit I had gone through um, with, um, you know, my friends, Benjamin and Kirk dying, um, the abusive kind of relationships that I was in, um, you know, having to deal with um, alcoholism, uh, and just addiction with some of my friends and 
how much it just destroyed me. And I know she didn't want to come to me because it was just one more thing that I had to deal with. And I, I hated, I hated knowing that, that I knew that's what she felt. Yeah. I think that's unfortunately such a powerful feeling that people have when they're struggling is they don't want to be a burden on, you know, they already feel like a burden to the people around them, especially those who are closest to them. And, you know, people might be sitting around them being like, Oh, if you had, you know, just reached out to me, like kind of thinking, it's like, why, you know, why didn't you reach out to me? And it's so hard because when you're in that hole, when you're in that, you know, the darkest of dark places, it, it, it sort of makes sense somehow that you don't want to hurt people by reaching out. And yet at that same time, it doesn't make sense that the loss of you would be something that would hurt even more. Yeah. You know, that's how low, that's how low, you know, we feel about ourselves. We're in that moment, you know, that like a, like a, like a conversation, it's like, Oh, I would never want to burden with them. But the idea of not, not having us would, would, doesn't well that that doesn't make sense as a burden because we just we couldn't imagine that we have any worth and that's that's so tough you know to convince people otherwise when they're in that zone yeah it's 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 it is um just the most the most painful thing about it is just knowing how sad she was she must have been you know, for, for, for someone to really take that step to actually physically take the motions and do it, um, to end your life and leave forever is, I I just, I can't even imagine how she must have felt how sad she must have felt. And I think that's hard for um, just for the survivors of, of um, suicide is, is, is knowing that your, your, you know, your close, the close person in your life is going, is feeling that sad to actually go for it, go to, go do it. And, um, it's just something that, that, that I, I think, uh, I, I always knew about her. I always saw this in her, um, from all of the hundreds of, you know, panic attacks and, and just like breakdowns that I would witness her having, um, and, you know, all of the, just the stress that she would put on my mom, um, you know, not doing it on purpose, but she, she, she did it, um, cause she needed to get it out. But to hear, to hear someone cry so, so painfully, just the feeling of depressed, just hearing a, dep- a fully depressed, the lowest of the lowest cry, crying is, was always something that, I, I could feel at when I heard it, when I heard her having a breakdown, I, and I, I didn't know how to talk. I didn't know how to help her. I didn't, I didn't, all I knew how to do was kind of stay quiet and be normal 
and not have any issues and not start any shit. I was like the best teenager you could possibly ask for, uh, for my mom. Um, because I knew she, my mom was going through so much stress and pain, having to be a single mom. And also then having to, before, before that, having to be the mom to pick up all the pieces and understand that your husband had a 12 year old tumor, the size of a grapefruit. That was the reason why he was turned, he turned into a complete asshole. It, 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 it like my, I, my mom is a, is a goddamn superhero in, in, in that way. And so I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to cause, I didn't, I just wanted to be quiet. I just wanted to be quiet. And that's how I learned to, to, that's how my, I developed like be quiet, help others, you know, gravitate towards people who need help because you can't, you don't know how to help yourself because you didn't even know that I needed help. I had no idea. I was like, Oh, well, who else, who else needs help? Let's, let's just dive right into their lives and, and not even discuss or understand yourself. It's crazy how much I've learned. It's, it's, it's mind boggling to me. Yeah. And Sarah, I, I thank you so much for sharing uh, the story. It was very powerful stuff. And you're, you know, I've seen some of your work beforehand. You've been a strong mental health advocate for a long time and uh, it's very much appreciated. Thank you for your time. I appreciate um, your podcast. Thank you for having this for everybody. And um, it's, it's incredible. So thanks. Oh, absolutely. So there it is. Sarah Barthel of Fantagram talking about how she has dealt with devastating and traumatic loss in her life. There is so much to take away from the conversation with Sarah. But one of the most important concepts I want to highlight is that loss is an ongoing process in our lives. The experience of loss with her dad, as she saw his personality change, was occurring even before he passed away. And loss reverberates in our life. As we have new experiences, achieve new goals, and face new challenges, these experiences get reinterpreted and processed in the context of our relationship to the person we lost. We think about how we might have shared those experiences, what they might have said or done. Or maybe we just miss that person because something reminds us of them. And we may often re-experience a sense of grief and loss in those moments. And it's important that we understand that loss and grief are processes that we encounter throughout our life as we change and grow. This isn't to make people hopeless about feeling trapped in grief, but rather to encourage people to recognize the enduring power that loss and grief have in our lives. And it is important that we not take the approach that we should just get over it because it happened a long time ago. In order to heal and grow after loss, we must recognize that this process is an ongoing and important part of our lives that is crucial to our mental health and well-being. I want to thank Consequence Podcast Network and Sound Mind Live for including me in this wonderful project. And thanks to Pete Wilson and the Rooks for letting us use their song, I Know. If you are struggling with anxiety, depression, or addiction and are looking for help, please call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration National Helpline at 1-800-622-4357. If you're thinking about harming yourself and want to seek help, please contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255. 
You may also go to Sound Mind Live or the Consequence websites for more information. So be healthy, be safe, and be kind to yourself and others. See you next time at the Crossroads.